the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hey, so we're back with another episode of Girls Gone Boss. Thank you for listening wherever you're at. If you're in your car, if you're in your house, you're cleaning. At work. Wherever. On the DL. Sneaking it in. (laughs) We ain't going to tell nobody. (laughs) Keep it on the low. How are you, Alex? I'm good. I'm great, too. I'm even better now because we have an amazing guest today who I happened to meet because we were both, all of three of us, were honored by Cavassier and Honor Your Code. And that's how I met uh, Miss Octavia Yearwood. Uh, welcome to the welcome. episode Good, of Girls on Boss. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Well, you didn't get to meet her at the no, event because you I didn't go. Yeah, but I that's, there. Yeah, we met there. And then you became BFFs with my girl, Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she crazy? Bridget yeah. Where's she at? <laughs> so me. Yeah, she's the homie. Yeah, so we were at this dinner. Obviously, Kavasia, yeah, they honored us. And then they got all the honorees together. And that's where I met Octavia. Okay, I didn't know that. And I brought Bridget, which is one of my friends from like elementary school. And they hit it off. And she almost like left me. I'm like, girl, did you come here with me or what? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, she was like... Yo, we're having a good conversation here. Like, yes. sit here, Gabby. You was like, nah, I'm going to sit over there. She was like, bagger. <laughs> but you know, she is sad, so. She's a, she's a sad, and you're an Aries. No. No? No. All of my good friends. That's where I, have, I remember so where you. I the Aries from. Yes. Yeah, because a lot of my friends that have picked up impact in my life, and one of my I closest friends now is an Aries. Um, her That's name is what I am a Scorpio. That's Ooh, right. Ooh. Scorpio. <laughs> well, let's just get into it, Octavia. Talk to us about the very beginning where you were born and, you know, everything, you know, the family dynamic that you had that inspired a lot of what is happening now in your life. I mean, I'm from New York City, born and raised. I moved here seven years ago um, and I, I was raised in the foster care system for most for most of my, of my um, youth. I went in. Twice, two different times. Once as a younger child after an accident. It was a burn accident that I had. And then one, then the final time um, at 11 years old when I actually chose to go mm-hmm. back into the system. Yeah. I just knew what it was. But my grandmother, Amy Yearwood, raised me. And she's amazing. And she passed on, but she's still very close. She's one that, of the people in your life that has definitely inspired also the book. And mm-hmm. I read it. I loved it. Two days. You I said. read it in two days. Girl, you <laughs> that's a sign of a good book. <laughs> yes. But honestly, it's an easy read. And it, and and I love it because I mean, I, I know there's a strategy to it of why you made it kind of also interactive in a way. Right, where right. people at the end of each chapter they have to kind of like do a self assessment of some sort. Yep. Um, why did you decide to do that? And well, what's the name of the book? Well, the book right now, the name of the book is How the Hell Did You Do That? So yeah. how the hell did you do it? it? The book says it. And I really, I was really intentional about making it really concise because when I was younger, I didn't like to read. Actually, truth be told, like I do enjoy um, learning, but I, I'm, an audit, I'm an auditory learner. So reading is never hasn't ever been like my go-to. But this book, so when I wrote this book, I was like, I want to make it short. Let me focus in on nine things that I that I did to get me to where I'm at right now. And so that's how that book came into play. And I just focused on nine things that were just the most potent, the things that like 
are also very doable. Like when you read the book, I feel like you feel inspired that you can that you can actually move forward in your life or you can heal or you can really achieve higher goals. You can do whatever. Um, and that's why it's also nine chapters because it's only nine numbers, right? And you start from one. So my hopes are that when you get through nine, this nine chapter book, you're ready to start anew. You right. Know? Uh, and also, I mean, it was inspired to help foster kids. Um, that was the inspiration. That, that was the, right. That was the original inspiration. But as I read it, it also inspired me. So it's kind of like universal, which is great. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so that's what I've been realizing happens. Right. So the original intention was for to give what I didn't have as a young person. I was like, I needed a blueprint. I wish because I didn't have a, a mother around. I didn't have a father around. I really wish that I had somebody that was teaching me, like someone who was putting me on game. I would have I would have listened. I would have, you know, made some things happen and done it differently. And so this book, I wrote it so that they don't have to start from scratch. Like you have some type of blueprint to start you in a direction of how to heal and how to get yourself to where you where you want to be. And that will essentially take you where you never thought you'd be, um, which is also the magic. Right. Uh, but then I started to realize that older like people, older, every person was hitting me up. An 80 year old hit me hit me up and was like, this is the best book I ever read in my life. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't gas me. <laughs> Don't gas me. And she was just like, no, this book was done so phenomenally. And I've been having so many people, adults, 30 year olds, 20 year olds. 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds contacting me about how my book has changed their life. And so that's just also the beauty about just doing what you feel moved to do and allowing it to be what it's going to be. And the impact it has without you even like really trying. Yeah. Because I I mean, honestly, like I said, I read it and I was like, wow, this is crazy because you also put a lot of perspective of your own life. And it wasn't easy. Like you said, at five years old, there was an accident, which what? It, you very openly talk about it. Mm. You it's something where you got burned. Yeah, correct? I got dropped in hot water. Wow. And this is during the time that you were under your grandmother's care. Mm-hmm. And that's how you first got into the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I was left home with a minor. Which was your sister? My my cousin. Oh. And the thing about it was back in those days, it wasn't the same rules that rocked out right now. Right. Hello. Hello. Your phone's not on. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I thought it was the Postmates people. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't said, know. Really? Ain't nobody on that phone. <laughs> but yeah, so your cousin, let's go back to your cousin because I thought it was the, the coffee girl. <laughs> so, um, yeah, necessary. Yeah, so back in those days, it wasn't really a big deal. And so she had, my grandmother had actually left the house to go pay the light bill. That was when you had to go to the, go to the place and, you know, send the money. So she uh, she just went and she left us with, with our cousin. And my cousin was, as the story goes, was getting water prepared to give me a bath. And uh, and it was just the water was too hot and the phone rang in the house. And when the phone rang, he went really quickly and just dropped me in the water and ran to the phone. And it actually was my my biological mother calling. Wow. Which was as also really interesting. But the water was still very hot and I, and I suffered uh, second degree burns. Wow. All over my body. Like, and so, like, I remember seeing pictures of me wrapped in gauze, you know? Wow. It was second or third degree. I'm actually, it's, that's the other thing that was really crazy about writing this book. It was going back into those places that you didn't go. And, and now since I'm publishing it, I self-published it. But now since I'm publishing it and this is going to be out into the world, I literally called my sister one day and was like, yo, 
did this really happen? Right, because you have to remind yourself whether or not you imagined it or not. Right. Yeah. You just you can be, you just could, you can feel so disillusioned or you know uh, disassociated from like and you just are like yo did I make this up? Is this just stories that were told that I just like kind of like that was just you know and and she was like yeah that happens. Next question. Wow. <laughs> and I was like okay all right okay I just needed to make sure you know and she's like the only fact check. And she's younger than me, but she remembers everything um, so much better than me, it seems. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally believe that. And I think I've heard that in the first few years, I was like, I think until you're like six or seven, even older, maybe eight, nine, um, whatever happens to you during that time, it's so impactful into who you're going to become as a, an adult. For instance, I lost my dad when I was eight. So to me, I feel that. And it he died out of nowhere. So it wasn't even like mm. there was a processing of like it was going to come. Like it right. just happened. Um, and that has totally shifted who I, I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I suffer from a lot of anxiety, and, and including some abandonment issues mm. when it comes to like relationships. And, and I know you touch upon it in the book as well. Um, because there is a lot of abandonment that you felt from your your mom, from, totally. you know, even the foster care family that you were in, even within your grandmother and the dynamic you had with your sister and her. Oh, yeah. So how you better, did... You better know that book, girl. <laughs> yes, girl. I told you two days. But oh, like, man. Right here, right here. Um, but at the same time, you were able to break from that instead of holding as a crutch, like, oh, I'm, I was like not given... Like, you know, victimizing yourself. Yeah. How do you heal? How do you, where you start to explain in the book how to heal? So for the listeners who may have, who may be using it as a crutch, maybe me, myself too, like, cause I'm like, oh, cause my dad died. Cause my dad died, you know, but when do we change that story and how? Yeah. How do you change that narrative? Um, and it, and it, for me, it, it, I succeed a lot by giving myself challenges. It's almost like, the tagline of my book is adversity births legends. And I believe in that. I believe that adversity births a legend. This is, this is what makes somebody great. And uh, how do you heal? Again, like I said, I, I, I create challenges for myself. So for me, the reason why I got to where I, I am right now is because my number one and sole purpose when I was younger was to not be like my mother. Period. I was like, I'm not going to take drugs. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. My goal is to never be like my mother. And so what did I do? I did everything opposite of what she did. She was pregnant, so I didn't have sex until I was like 21. She was a drug addict, so I never, I never touched a drug in my life, until I, again, until I was like in my 20s. And even when I did touch it in my 20s, I was like, oh, hell no. You know, um, I, I never, I didn't do anything that she did. And so I always wanted to be better than her. So how some people um, look at their friends and look at that. I looked at my mother and I was like, I'm going to be better than you. And so I'm going to do everything better than you. You didn't go to college, so I'm going to go to college. I wound up not going to college, but that was not that. But I got accepted. You know, I tried and I actually could have gone if I if I was supported a little bit more. Right. Um, Everything that she didn't do, I did. And so I think that when you start to give yourself challenges, when you start to challenge yourself to be something else, that is another step into healing. The universe and energies are going to lead you into what you need, but you have to be open. And there's a whole plethora of other things of how you can heal, right? Um, Everything from acceptance, 
another level of my healing was accepting that I chose my mother. Mm-hmm. I chose my mother before I came here. I chose this experience. When you start to take responsibility for your life, that is when you start to heal. When you start taking responsibility for your story, that is when you start to heal. Yeah. Right, because usually we, we um, do the blame game, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's their fault. Including yourself. You right. start to blame yourself. That's why I say in the book, let's just throw it all away. Throw all the blame away. Throw the blame of yourself. Throw the blame of anybody. Just throw it away. And let's start making some goals. Right. And I think also the tools that you give in the book are are excellent in the sense because there's a lot of self-assessments going on and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So talk about that and some of the things that you suggest, like looking into each one of us weaknesses and their mm-hmm. strengths mm-hmm. and then kind of owning that, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that as a human being, especially living right now, we are sort of addicted to being a voyeur, right? We are addicted to looking at other people's lives. And and that's why you said you went through the book two days, but you didn't do all of the questions, right? And that was because you got so in, in, in engaged as a voyeur, as a reader of my story and who I was. And then you just got engulfed in me and you didn't take a second, right? Um, or people generally don't take seconds, I should say. Look, uh, I did some of it. You did, you did. This is, but this is, <laughs> right, right. I'm you, showing it to her. I'm like, hey girl, I did it. I did <laughs> No, but, 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 but just in, in life, right? We don't take a second to look into ourselves and reflect on what we're taking in from somebody else's life. Like, for instance, when I'm watching Love and Hip Hop, right? I'm enjoying, I'm a voyeur, I'm, in, I'm entertained. And then I take a step back a lot of times when watching it and being like, yeah, nah, see, this is why I'm glad I don't do the end of this. No, because see, my life, see, this is, what this is. And I start to almost assess myself to, to make sure that I'm creating my own narrative and not being so caught up in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. And so that's why those questions are there. Those questions are there for you to start to take a look at yourself as it relates maybe to my life, but then bringing it back to you because it always comes back to you. So every single chapter ends with those questions to come back to you as a real life um, sensory aspect of coming back to yourself. No matter what you see, no matter what you read, no matter what you you um, observe, you got to come back to you. Because it's all it all starts with you. That's it. So this is me physically making you come back to you every time. I like that. I like that. And I also think it's important to differ. The self-awareness part is the differentiating of like your young, the child is what you call it or. Your childlike self. Your childlike self mm-hmm. versus your superhero. Well, okay. No, no. So, the superhero is a child, right? It's your super self. Y- your super right. self. Correct. Okay. Your super Explain self that. and your adult alter ego. I believe that the adult is an alter ego. Right. It's, it's not a real person. It's a person that you created as a, as a reaction to everything that's happened in your life. And now you're walking through life as a big reaction as this alter ego. When you tap back into your childlike self, that's tapping into your super self, yourself that does not see boundaries, right? I make a, I make an example of Clark Kent and Superman and asking whether or not those people are the same, right? And then and seeing and showing how that that how they operate, right? As one Clark Kent can't see uh wears glasses, is nervous, is is you know, very self self um 
It doesn't have good confidence. Can't get the girl, you know, da da But then Superman, Clark Kent's super self, muscular, can fly, can move faster than a speeding bullet. All of the ladies love him. Slick back hair, amazing vision, and actually can laser you with their eyes if he wants to. That's your super self. The, the self that just really is the best you can be. And how do we continue to just live in that, being the best you can be at all times? How do we be less like that person who is that alter ego? Clark Kent is an alter an adult alter. Not that Clark Kent thinks about abandonment, right? Right? It was they were an orphan, mm-hmm. they were adopted. Clark Kent is 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 a foster child, essentially. I didn't know that. Yeah. Remember? Because yeah, he came from the, the media. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the story where he came yeah, from. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, he came from, that's why kryptonite messes him up, right? He came from uh, the meteor, crashed into the floor, a little white family in the farm, mm-hmm. found him, took him in, and that embraced was... Them. Yeah. Embraced him, yeah. Then learned about his powers, and then his mom is the one that made his suit. So there you go. That's why you put it in the book. Actually, Are I you- didn't even put that together until just now. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> But but I thought about the super self part, right? Again, a lot of things in my book, you know, sometimes I read it in my book program when I'm doing um, group reads and I'm shocked at what I've written. It hits me like I didn't write it. Like I'd be like, oh, that was good. <laughs> but it was because this book wasn't just written by me. It was written by my experiences. It was written by my ancestors that channeled through me. You know, I was in the woods when I wrote this book. So I didn't have any cellular devices. I wasn't very distracted at all. It was me and this book. Yeah. And did you write it in like a week or how long did it take you to write? Uh, I did not write it in a week. (laughs) Even though I tricked myself into thinking that I could, right? (laughs) Because I was like looking up still like, how do I write this book? Right. How do you write a book? Yeah, I'll be doing a course on that. Um, But... I, I finally Googled, I Googled it and I read a bunch of different things. And one thing was like, wake up at 3 a.m. and and write until you can't write anymore. And I was like, yeah, no, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And then after reading a couple of articles, I came into one that said, write a chapter a day. And then it started to be like, oh, well, I'm only writing a nine chapter book. I'm going to be done <laughs> in nine days. You <laughs> but you've got to recollect a lot of memories. That takes a while, no? Because I'm like, um, No, it was my, it's my story. Right. It's my story. And so it actually took me two months to write the book. I wrote the book in that summer. I wrote the book, uh, started in June and I finished it in August. I went to Nice and I wrote the book by hand in a composition book that I had been carrying around with me since I was in foster care. I'm somebody, I have to carry all my stuff, right? Like your mom probably has your baby pictures and your, you know, things from your, I don't have, I don't have that. You have your black plastic bag. I have, I have, <laughs> now they're in boxes, but right. yeah, I have, I'm the one that, that carries around my heirlooms, my, my things. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so I wrote the book and I went to Nice to take the, to turn Skybit from the writing onto the computer. And then, uh, yeah, and then I released it the following year in April. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And now that you mentioned Nice, also travel was somewhere, something that also was able to propel you into growing Oof. and going through that. So much. Transition. and So much. Tell us about, because you left for a while. 
Yeah. So like kind of like kind of like an eat, pray, love vibe. People always say that. And I never saw the movie. Or the, People said it to me so much that I finally was like, yo, let me watch this movie. Let me, let me, what is this about? You know? Um, but I suppose travel is, 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 is transformative. You know, um, when you travel very much like them putting stamps in your passport, it, those countries put stamps on your spirit and it changes you. It helps you to transform. It helps you to see things differently. And somebody like me who came from foster care, who lived in hoods, a lot of times we get stuck in those hoods and we don't want to go somewhere else for various reasons. And for me, travel actually is what helped me to see a better life for myself without even looking. Uh, so, yeah, so I went to ne- I went to um, Nepal and India uh, and that was amazing. Yeah. It was crazy. It was. Huh? Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so I have a chapter in the book called Passports and Borderlines uh, that talks about the importance of travel and then makes people start to think about that. Because like I said, I didn't even think about travel being from from the context of my life. Yeah, I traveled into the city and that was a big deal coming from Queens, you know what I mean? But like, I didn't think about coming out going out of the country. Never. You know, I have a friend right now who she is in her late 30s and she's about to get a passport. You know, um, but one day one of my friends, Lauren, was like, yo, you want to go to Puerto Rico? And I was like, I mean, sure. You know, I was bartending. I was making dough. I, it wasn't like that. I, I couldn't go traveling. It just wasn't in my right. brain. It wasn't in my mind. And that was also why Friends is another chapter in the book, the chapter called Creme de la Chrome, because having these people around you to help push you is also very poignant, very important. Right. So you can start thinking like limitless instead of That's like right. limiting. Yeah. And you start learning when you start to learn from different cultures. Now you can like add stamps to yourself. Like think of it like like different outfits. You know what I mean? Like going to India and seeing how honestly the biggest thing that influenced me and impacted me when I was in India was the beggars. Right. The beggars are so gully. (laughs) They are so, yo, they be on your tail. You'll be like, no, you know, bums in New York, bums in America are, are lazy. <laughs> they bums, don't know how to beg for it. They don't even know how to really bum out here. You know what I'm saying? They, in, in India, they will, they will follow you for blocks. Not aggressively, but they will follow you for blocks and just put their hands in their palm and to their mouth. Like, give me some money to eat. Give me some money to eat. Give me some money to eat. And they will, until you just be like, yo, here, get some money and go. Jeez. Like, it's their job. Yeah, it's their job. It's their job. Yeah. So it was like, wow. And you also said like the perception of the people there of you was kind of like. Oh, that was in Nepal. Nepal had an embargo against Africans, against Africa. And so they were, Africans were not allowed to come into the country. And like literally when I was in the airport, they were like, are you from Africa? Like almost like, how did you get here? You know, they were having an African film festival that the Africans who did the films couldn't even come into Nepal to, to see and just like be a part of. Uh, but they would think that I was Indian. They would think that I was everything other than black. And I was stared at every day for like 21 days. Yeah, it was nuts. Wow. But travel is super important. I think it just gives you different perspective. It just... Like and when you do it immersively. It gives you confidence. Yeah. But do it immersively. For me, a lot of people want to travel just for the glitz and the glam. You want to be in a resort. You want to feel like you're in America in another country. That's dumb. Like... I truly experience yourself. it. Go yeah. in there, in the culture. Yeah, get into the culture. You know what I mean? 
And in India, it, I mean, uh, in Nepal, it was crazy. I couldn't get an avocado at all. Everything that they, everything there is like super seasonal. Everything is seasonal. So the only thing that I could have gotten when I was there was like eggplants, limes, cabbage. Girl, I need to go there to do a diet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, but yo, they feed you rice for breakfast. So I don't know if that's going to work. I am down. I, love <laughs> I am so down for that. I always say like, if I get stuck in an island and I could only take one thing of food, it'd be rice. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Love Can't live without Survivor. it. So you gonna go on Survivor again? <laughs> I'm gonna go you on should Survivor. go on Survivor. Yo, people be losing weight on Survivor. <laughs> For real. <laughs> Listen, in your book, um, you say, I gradually learned it wasn't the people that were hurting me. It was my thoughts about what they were saying that hurt me. How did you learn or adapt to change that thought process? Because obviously we are all always thinking, victimizing ourselves. So you're saying like, nothing that people do to me or have done to me have anything to do with me, right? How do you separate that? Well, that was, that that quote you did there was more so about me wanting to free myself from always being upset. I found myself, and like being upset, for me, if I see my reaction to something is one way, and the majority of other folks is another way, I start to look at myself and be like, all right, so why am I mad about this? Let me, let, let's, let's check in. And what comes to mind was when I was younger and, and friends would call each other bitch. Like, bitch? The fuck? Bitch? No, bitch. Because <laughs> you know. Bitch. Oh, I love I you. I do that all the time. Right. I hated that. I did not allow anybody. If somebody called me, I'd be like, yo, don't call. I would switch up so quick. Don't call me a bitch. But that was because I grew up in the 80s and what? Queen Latifah, who you calling a bitch, right? Bitch was not a word that was like a good thing. So when people try to start to change that narrative, I wasn't with it. I was like, don't call me a bitch. I don't care about this whole reusage of the word. Don't call it. Don't know. And then I was like, bitch. Right. Right. But then I was like, all right, well, let me think about this. They're not really calling me a bitch. Activity, you, And so that's what it is. And that goes with everything. It was me and the power that I gave the word bitch. Right. Right. It wasn't that they were calling me a bitch. It wasn't that the, it was the power that I gave the word bitch. And I was like, oh, all right, well, let me take away that power. Bitch is nothing now. Bitch is just a just word. Just another word. That's it. And then you also said the same thing about like the feelings you had towards your mother. You like put yourself in her shoes kind of thing. Ugh. That's got to be really brave to do because not a lot of people can, but you were able to like forgive her, right? Yeah, but it was like steps of forgiving. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I told my mother I forgave her was at 13 and that was uh, and, like <laughs> the lie detector test and <laughs> 10 you years failed. after that yeah. was like, that was a lie. You didn't mm-hmm. forgive her. Uh, I called her. I remember that day too. She started to cry. I called her and I was sitting on my bottom bunk bed in my foster home. And she answers the phone and I say, hi. I was like, hi, I just want to let you know that I forgive you because you've made my life hell on earth and I don't want you to be the reason why I go to hell. So I forgive you. Right. And she just started bawling. And I was just like, yes, I'm a big girl. I'm not about to go to hell for you. Bleak. And that was it. Hung up the phone. And uh, yeah. But then when I got older, uh, yeah, I started doing spiritual work 
on myself. And that was, it was this wave that came over me. And I'm actually getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. It was this wave that came over me when I was sitting with a spiritual uh, leader and they asked me if I loved my mother. I, at this point, I'm 30. So that when I called her, I was 13. At this point, I'm 30. And he asked me, do you love your mother? And I was like, I mean, <laughs> she I like... She cool, like it's cool, like it's fine. And she and he was like, You should love your mother. And I was like, Okay. And he was like, She brought you here. And those are very simple words, but the energy that moved in the room when he said that, it was this wave that came over me that made me see my mother in a different light. The wave that happened, I saw my mother as a woman who didn't want to have children, but who did. A woman who was in her, who sacrificed her body for those months to still bring me here, even though she didn't want to have children. And then feeling guilty that she brought children into this world and just genuinely honored herself. I don't want to be a mother. And so I'm not going to be. Who did what she wanted to do, but still felt bad about it. I thought about a woman who still now had to deal with children who resented her and who sent that kind of energy her way. And a woman who still didn't get her life together at the end of the day. And I started to cry. Because I was like, her life is not easy. And she brought me here still. I should love her. I love her. And I forgive her. She did better for me. She did the best thing that she could have done for me which was leave me the hell alone. And she gave you life. And gave me life. And gave me life. Absolutely. I could literally not be here. So. But that's very, yeah. that's very big of you, honestly. But it takes a lot of steps to get getting there. Yeah. yeah. It just takes a lot of steps to getting there. Um, and, and I don't know that it was, I don't even know that I would call it big of me. It was, you you cannot lose the human empathy aspect of of being a human. You cannot not be empathetic. No matter what you feel somebody did to me. My mother actually didn't do anything to me. I don't have a story of my mother putting her hands on me. I don't have a story of my mother telling me anything bad or or taking me down. I don't have a story of my mother causing real harm. I have a story of me having a perception of what my mother should have done and projecting that on her continuously and then not forgiving her for honoring herself. Right. That's what I have a story of. I have a story of being mad at somebody who for not giving me what I wanted based on a societal norm. Right. So you can change that story, right? I mean, you have to be grateful for what you have. I have many people that came into my life that helped me. You, right now, this is adding value to my life. <laughs> me being on this podcast with you and you is adding value to my life. I should be thankful. You did have a lot of angels coming. That's it. Along the way. That's right. A lot of mentors. That's right. Before mentor was a word. Yeah. It was just community back then. <laughs> you say a lot of your friends are the ones that became your family. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. 
that supported me and that still support me. My friend Lakeisha, you know, who's been that's my longest standing friend, who is just, she's just, she's pure love. And she's always just purely loved me. <laughs> and all my stages. Right. And I heard, some of them weren't that pretty, right? But mm-hmm. we got right. through them. Totally, totally, totally. I used to be this alter ego called Octavia La Diva. Tell us about her. She was ridiculous. She was like, she was a gay man. She could have been on a reality show. Actually, she almost made it on the real world. Really? Which, you would be, which one? Um, damn. Um, Did you audition? It was like in 2007. Yeah, 2000. 2000 um, no, it was like 2005. That's when it was so really good. Yeah. yeah that like was, it, was, it was real. That was the pop. I was like 21. <laughs> I was like 21. It was, yeah. And so their their process is rigorous. Like they make you, I sent in a video and then they called me. It was like, you made it to the next round. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and then they sent me like a, a paper, an interview paper that was like a contract that was like mad thick. And it, they asked you everything about yourself. Like it's literally like a psychological they psychoanalyze they, you. So, yeah. oh they got to know the liability. They don't know if you're going to come in there and kill no, people. No. They want to know that you're going to be entertaining enough. Right. Or that you will kill people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back then, <laughs> yeah. Might. You know, Karamo <laughs> smacked the mess out of that girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, and then after I sent that in, they called me and it was like, you made it to the next round. You're going to do a video interview. And I was like, oh, shoot. Did a video interview um, with a person like Zoom. But it was like Skype at the time, I think, that we had. Um, Skype had just started and then I made it to the next round and that was like in-person video interview and that's where it got crazy I walk into this hotel room in Manhattan with all the producers and then lights kaboom boom boom cameras kaboom boom boom and I'm like oh, oh, oh they gotta try, they gotta test you out to see how you're gonna react yes yeah really and, and that, that was yes, yes. for the and, lights yeah they gotta we'll see be, how you react yes, if they, you're gonna. Yeah, they gotta see if you're gonna like change for the camera, or what you're gonna do, or how natural you are. And you were like, I ain't make it past that. Remember, remember, no, I ain't no? make it past that. <laughs> you were like, what the hell is this? Back then, there was no social media. There was no, like, the world was just so different back then. Right. Totally. Like, that, not a lot of people wanted that, the limelight. Like exactly. That. Oh, it was just it. so different. So, the way that people produce television mm-hmm. was just different. Yeah. Well, I think you would have been very entertaining. I think so too. I think I would have been dope too. They had to like let me rock. They had to let me. I was like, they should have let me rock. But but would you do reality TV now? Now that it's changed. Now it's like super produced. Yeah, it's super produced, and um, I think I would if it's positive. I right? would be down. I would be down to, to let the let it let it let the cars fall my way. My, my, my life is positive. My life is pretty pretty dope. Um, so I would do reality TV. And yeah, but some of it is like not that positive yeah that's why i say as long yeah. as it's positive why not right 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 i feel like it was like probably... if oprah hit you up girl yeah but even, but with okay no but with you what you would do I, even if you were in a negative situation you would turn everybody around right. be positive totally. so it wouldn't matter what kind of show you were on yeah right. yeah but right. i think that if they did a reality show about like artists in the city and how what it is to be like to be different iterations of an artist and did a reality show around that i would be down with that Love it. I'm currently working on one project called The Transform, and it's a docu-series about um, the lives of of trans women of color. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the beginning stages of producing that. That's, and that's exciting. Yeah, super exciting. exciting. You got to come back and tell us once it's out. 
Yeah, we'll do. Yes. Yeah, I will. I will. But I want to go yeah. back to also another form of outside of travel. You also use art mm-hmm. as a form for healing. For healing. And you've created an organization that helps or you work in the arts here in Miami mm-hmm. for kids, for the youth, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah for yeah, that yeah. same purpose. Yes. Yes. The program, my program, my program, my Timo dance program is definitely centered around that. For me, um, art is such a beautiful, beautiful thing, right? You, art is amazing because you literally create something out of nothing. And that creating something out of nothing lifts your self-efficacy. It lifts your resilience. It lifts what you think that you can, that you can actually do. I've had children who come into my dance class and ha- can't do left from right. And then by the end of the, in two or three months, four months, they're doing choreography and performing on stage in front of people. Do you know how impactful that is for your spirit and how you can propel yourself forward on that? I've had children who were doing bad in school and I told them, if you're, if you're messing up in your class, this one boy in particular, if you mess with your, I came down to him and I asked him about what was going on. He said, you know, yeah, this, that. He's talking to me. And I said, okay, well, listen, if you continue this, you're not going to be able to dance in my class. You're going to have to sit down and watch everyone else dance, but you will not be able to dance. Now, mind you, this was also a kid that you, you would meet him and you wouldn't even think that dance mattered to him. He was very quiet. He was very like laid back. He wasn't flamboyant or of any kind. He wasn't like, you know, hyperactive. He was real chill, but he was, he was hurt. You know, he had family issues going on at home. So he was starting to go inward and then lash out. He was student of the month the next month. Wow. Student of the month. And his mom came up to me like, and his mom came up to me when, when the problems was happening, asked me to talk to him, and then came to me afterward to tell me about the improvement. And I was surprised. I had no idea that the arts could do this for people. And at that point, that was when my, my mind shifted and I realized that I had to be more intentional about the way I brought art pro, arts programming to institutions, to youth, um, so that it actually could impact their life in a, in a different and better way. Art does it no matter what, if you're trying or if you're not. But when you're putting intention into anything, it just becomes that much more powerful and that much more impactful. So I went from the performing arts into the visual arts. And I just recently did a program that I created um, called Build Your Future, which um, is a woodworking visual arts program with storytelling. And it's based off of my performance art piece called Libations, which is all about storytelling and libations. Uh, but Build Your Future, these kids are building tables from wood from scratch and turning it into an art piece and it, having it being shown at a major arts institution. And in the tables embedded is their stories, stories of their life, where they are now, where they want to be. And it was just so super magical. That is powerful. Super magical. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always creating too. Like, I think that if you create works of art, you just start to create things. You know, you work in the arts, right? Mm -hmm. And look at you creating a podcast, creating, I'm sure you're creating relationships all the time. You're probably always thinking about what's the next thing I can do that's creative. And that's because that is what you're into. That's what you're, that's what you're surrounded by. And so now you're starting to create a different life for yourself just by that action of creating. And that's, and that's amazing. That's beautiful. Congratulations on doing that and giving back from like experience too, because you dance too. Yeah. But you were also, yeah, but you were also like shy at first about it. Oh, You didn't want to dance. 
Super shy. Yo, this is super This is super weird because I'm like, you know, me and Gabby met at a dinner. She read my book and now she knows my whole thing. Yeah, life. I know. Everything I'm like, about I'm like damn, girl. Like, like how do you know that? I'm like, I read your book. <laughs> right. I'm like, oh my God. I like really put all my life in this damn book. Which was, <laughs> was that, that hard? Because some of the things you shared were like very personal. Was that super hard? Super hard. Were you like, hard. damn, did you start writing and then like scratch and then like, mm, I got to keep it in there? Or were you like, I'm open? Or I was open. I was totally open. Where I go into my clamshell is when I'm doing these group readings and people are reading about these different experiences that I had. And I'm like, oh, shit, I put that. Okay. Yeah, because you go right. deep. You go like, it's a lot of things that, you know. Yeah. Some people are like, no, I'm not going to tell that. I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. That's why when I do the book course, I'm I'm probably, I'm, I was actually contemplating doing my video book course naked because <laughs> I want people to like really know that you have to walk into writing a book naked. You got to be ready to bear yourself. If not, it's not authentic, right? It's not authentic. And this 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 book course would be on people that want to write self-help books or memoirs. Oh, that's cool. Let us know when... Because we love actually, to take that. Right? Didn't yeah. we say we wanted to do a book? It's in our wish list. Yeah, mm-hmm. girl. <laughs> we want to write a book about all the guests that we've interviewed yeah. and all the, lo- all the lessons we've learned. Oh, I love that. Because there's a lot of learning. Oh, that's a dope, that's a dope idea. Yeah. It's, it's like an anthology, but not. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that sounds really like fancy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh. and then, an anthology is a book that is comprised of stories from different different writers. So oh. if when I if I want to publish an anthology at some point, so what I would do would be, I would uh, the the call to action would probably be like stories about triumph or adversity, and then I would pick out the best stories that people. You know how I tell stories in my mm-hmm. book, the story aspect. I will pull a bunch of people's and then put it into one book and that will be considered an anthology. Got it. Which I love too. In the book, she gives a lot of definitions of words, like a dictionary definition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why'd yeah. you do that? I did that because, again, my intention was to for, for young people, right? I wanted them to not have to leave the book for anything. If you don't know, I, I so I put the definition of every word on the page that it shows up um, for any word that I felt that a young person wouldn't know it meant, what it Got meant. Got it. So, yeah. So, oh, manifestation, yeah. right? They're like, what the hell is manifestation? I don't want you to go Google and then you're going to Google and then you're going to see a picture. Then you're going to go to Instagram and then you got, now you done, now you out the book. Right. Now oh, you're all the way funny. out of the book and you're, you, mm-hmm. you know, but no, so you're like, what's manifestation? You look down on the page and you see the definition right there. Like, oh, manifest. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what that is. And now you can just continue to read. So, it's really important. Yeah. So, that was, like I said, I was very, very Strategic. intentional and very strategic about every aspect of the book, down to the reason why it has color. It has color because I want to introduce people to the chakras. So mm. each chapter, whatever color that chapter is in, is connected to that chakra. Very cool. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I saw it at the end, too. Wow. That's very cool. I think that's why it's so cool, because it's very, like, relatable. Mm. But at the same time, you learn a lot too, like at the process of like a lot of self-healing. What did you learn about yourself while reading my book? Just that I need to like really just focus on, I love the manifestation part. I love... Uh, the alchemist. Yes, the alchemist part. That mm-hmm. you really are the creator of your what you have around you. Mm-hmm. So I have to learn how to create more of what I want, the experiences mm-hmm. that I want. That's what I kind of took away from that. It's hard sometimes to like, because you're like, how the hell am I going to do it? That's like, why the book is called that. <laughs> that is the that is the single most 
like prominent question <laughs> that people ask. And that is why that is the title of the book. Well, it's also because, so I, I work for this uh, trauma program. Anyways, whatever. But you see how many times you say that, right? Yes. How the hell did you do that? Yeah. When, when you see a friend that's done something, you're like, oh, girl, how'd you do that? People don't realize how much. And for me, the question of how did you do that is a way for you to celebrate yourself. I want you to celebrate yourself. I want you to celebrate you that it. process. And I want you to also remember how you did that. In, in, in trauma training, we're, we're, uh, we're taught to ask that question to young people so that they start to celebrate themselves. So instead of someone saying, shooting the ball in and getting in, and you're like, good job, Tommy. Have a good one. You're like, great job, Tommy. How did you do that? And then they're going to be like, uh, well, you know, I passed the ball real quick and then I stopped. But I like saw them coming. So I shot it in the air and I got it in. You know, and you're like, good job, Tommy. Yes, that's what you did. And now maybe Tommy can do that again with something else. Right. It's yeah. it's self-confidence. Yeah. Awesome. So that's what you, that was your biggest, that was what you got yeah. from the book. And also like the, I like the, the polarity of like the childhood, the child superhero mm -hmm. and then the adult that is like. The super self and yes. the adult alter ego. That. Yeah. Yeah. Self-awareness is a lot. It's big, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, to actually be like, okay, this is, like, what I'm not good at. This is my strength. Mm -hmm. That also... Is it because it builds confidence? Or... Uh, it builds... Not only... It's actually not even about confidence. It's, it's about awareness. being honest with yourself. Got it. We lie to ourselves way too much. Like, let's be real. <laughs> I'm not good at math. When you start to focus and realize what you're not good at, then you can think about strengthening it. Then you can bring more people around you that is better at that, that can support you in that. Then you can seek help. Right. And get better. I use the example of if, you know, the person, the guy that like only focuses on their legs because they're really strong, their legs are mad thick and then their arms are mad weak. But if you, but that's because you're avoiding the fact that your arms are like spaghettis. And so you're just going to focus only on this good stuff. Meanwhile, if you just like, yo, my arms ain't good either. So let me do my push-ups. Mm -hmm. And then and then what happens? Then your arms get stronger, they get bigger, they get better. And, and now you're a fully better person. And then also like self-sabotage. How do you tell yourself a different story about yourself? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I mean, major. I'm I'm, you know, I'm to blame. Sometimes I'm hard on myself. Too much. Or I think it's normal. I guess all of us are. Or like. Don't blame yourself. Right. So what do I do? Just See not that? think about it? No, no, no. You, 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 what I learned in Vipassana uh, meditation is you watch that happen and you watch it go. Mm. Our feelings come and go. They have this scaling um, technique in meditation in Vipassana where you, um, where you close your eyes and then you, then you look at your scalp, right? Or your forehead or your eyes and you start to feel them there. And then when you feel them there, you move on to the next part of your body. And that's what that's about. That's about seeing, oh, I'm having this thought right now. I'm feeling this way. All right. And it's going to go away. Right. Who stays mad all the time? Right. Who no. stays happy all the time? These feelings, these things are all energies that just come and go. So watch it. Be like, yo, all right, I'm, I'm feeling like this right now. Okay. All right. I, I accept that. I'm going to feel that right now. What do I want? All right, I wanna, I'm gonna have some coffee. I'm gonna just sit down and just chill. I wanna just, I wanna just watch some TV. I'm gonna do that, and then you do that. Let it go, and then you let it go, and then it goes. 
it does, it goes. It may come back and then you do your, you do your, then that's again about how you find out your self-care practice on how you can move forward and how can you feel better. Yeah, you talk how about can that. You, yeah, how can you, what can, what do you need? Check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what? I love Octavia and I always feel really great when I'm around her. Uh, let me invite her over for dinner. Yeah, come over, girl. Yeah, come over. I'm gonna make some, I'm gonna make some whatever. And then you make that and then we vibe and we chill. And you've brought in some value into my life. You made me a little dish or whatever. Girl, know. I'm not because I can't have, cook. She'll post me. <laughs> oh, I'll post child. me. I could post me. <laughs> I'll cook for you. I'll cook for <laughs> you in my house. Thank Don't you, worry. Thank she you. can cook. Alex can cook. <laughs> okay, good. Because she got a baby in her belly. Yeah. So that's a benefit. <laughs> that's why she got you a baby in her belly. Yeah, because you can't be bene- Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, I got I to gotta work on it Honey, so I can get a baby in my belly. Who do be that aphrodisiac, dude? <laughs> yes. No, but it's true. Like, you have to be around the people that, like, move you and build you up. Yeah, That energy's real. And value them, you know? And vice versa, yeah. No, recognize how when I said, Octavia makes me feel good. Let me do something for her. And bring value to her. I didn't say, I tell you, it makes me feel good. Let me just call her so she can make me feel good. And then, and then I get what I need and Ooh, I'll be I done. I like that. It's of service. It's of, it, it, this, this, this thing called life is an exchange. If you are not exchanging in the best positive way, if you're not thinking about somebody as well as yourself in, in these engagements, then you're doing yourself and them a disservice. Then you're also perpetuating this aspect of using people. Mm. Right. You don't want that. And nobody wants to feel used. No, no. Aside from them feeling used, you should not want to be doing that. Right. Because that's bringing, adding more bad karma to your life. Right. Everything that you do gets done. Right. You know, so always think about bringing value to the people in your world. Always think about showing them love, even when love is the last thing you're maybe feeling. Right. It's hard at times. It's totally, it's nothing is easy. Yeah. This life is not easy. This is the hardest dimension. It is. This is like the big boss well, level. Yeah, you know so, what I'm saying? Yeah, King if, Cooper. if you get through this dimension, I think we're good. The more, the more that you give love, the more you'll be able to receive love too. So then it's mm-hmm. like comes full circle. Totally. You know? Totally. I like hey. whenever she, she talks, she just like drops a gem. She, dro- she drops is. a diamond a and then drop. she leans back. She's a gem She's, dropper. Right. She just <laughs> drops a gem. And then, you know, yeah, and then she has this little <laughs> soft, little sultry situation. Pop it off. You know, and then you give love and you allow yourself to receive. Drops the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that is you, Alex. Yo, that's so good. It is. Come we on, balance Zen each Mama other. <laughs> Tell us about some of the events you're going to have. You sent me a couple invites. Yes. So please, please, please. So this um, September 18th, I'm hosting an event at Joe Malone on South Beach. So please come through to that. They're going to be giving out free hand massages. We're going to be having a little discount on some fragrances. And you know that they have amazing candles and perfumes and all these things. Um, On the 25th, the Estique Dinner. I will be one of the special guests. And actually, everyone who comes, who buys a ticket to that dinner will get a free copy of my book as well. Mm. So that'll be super dope. And it's it's about all, it's about women empowerment, the estate dinners. So it's going to be a bunch of boss babes too around the table. Ooh. Yeah, it's potential be, guests. Yes, potential <laughs> guests. So, so get your ticket, baby. <laughs> um, and then um, October 18th, I have my Libations Performance Art Pop-Up 
happening at the History Miami Museum. Wow, you're which, busy, girl. With, uh, yeah, 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 totally, totally. Oh, and uh, what is this? That is, oh man, oh, September 26th. I will, um, I'll be at the Frost, the Frost Museum at FIU uh, doing a talk. Awesome. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where can, they can find all this information because it's a lot. Yes, it Where is they can a lot. follow you. Yeah, you can follow me at Octavia underscore Yearwood on Instagram. I have a link tree in my bio. So the link tree has all the links to everything that's, that's going to be do-wop pop popping. If you're listeners, if you have listeners in my in New York City. We do. Yo, my New York fam. <laughs> I'm going to be in the building October 16th for the Precious Dreams Foundation Scala, which is a organization that, that provides nighttime comfort items for children in foster care in and transition. They do amazing work. I'm one of their, I'm on their host committee. So I'm trying to be squatted up. Miguel is also a great friend of my friend, Nicole. The singer, Miguel? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're going to be honoring him that wow. night. So he'll be in the building. Um, Sunny Hostin, who uh, is from The View. I've also been on a panel that she moderated back in New York as well. She'll be hosting this event as well. That's awesome. Yeah. So Sunny Hostin is going to be hosting it. Miguel's going to get awarded. Another woman is going to get awarded. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So that's in New York. So that's everybody New from York New York. City. So everybody in New York, yo, come through. Represent. Let's squad up. Let's do it for a great cause. The Precious Dreams Foundation has been doing work with our youth for many, many years. They have branches here in Florida, South Florida. They have one in um, LA and New York as well. So... Amazing. Well, this was amazing. I mean, the conversation was great. Yeah. I think everyone's going to really appreciate all the gems you're dropping. Yes. And, I, and you can also get my book on my website and you can get the uh, ebook on my website as well, OctaviaYearwood.com. Okay. Yeah. Will you have an audiobook? I'm working on the audio. You have such a good voice. You yes. have to do it. it it's be... been so difficult, ladies. Let me tell you. It's but been nowadays, a very... as we're on the go in the podcast world too, I think it's so much easier audio as well. Totally. So you, yeah. the millennial crowd will love it. Yeah, totally, totally. So, so I, all right, yeah, I'm already, I got like two chapters left to do on my audio book. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so it's in the works. Yeah, and the book program is also in the works. That'll be available for purchase as well. Awesome. Well, we commend you for all the work you're doing. Thank you so much. For turning, you know, back. Yeah, and turning everything into such a positive thing, you know? That's right. We are alchemists. We are alchemists. You can transform anything you want. Go out, get out there and get those wins. That's what I'm all about. Adversity births legends. Adversity, adversity births legends. Yeah, I already wrote it down. I'm making a quote out of that one. For it. sure. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Making what of that? A, a quote, quote for oh. our Instagram. Oh. We'll send it to you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Word Thank up. you, Octavia. Thank you. You're amazing. Ugh, same. Thank you, everyone, for Thank listening. You. Until next time. Until Bye. next time. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.